Back Porching Podcast is brought to you in part by Legacy Now. Legacy Now is a ministry I lead that exists to serve those that serve others, primarily in the student ministry space. If I can serve you for more information about my ministry or to connect with me on social media, you can find more information at LegacyNow.me. That's LegacyNow.me. Hey, uh, today's going to be a little different. Uh, one of the things that comes up a lot back here on the porch, I'm back here on the porch on an afternoon, and it's raining pretty bad outside. I don't know if you can hear the rain or not, but uh, it's been raining here in Georgia a lot lately. But um, hey, uh, one of the things that happens a lot is just tell stories. We tell stories a lot about things from back in the day, and you know, uh, I play a little ball or whatever that is, or just uh, stories about different parts of life, and that's just kind of what dudes do. We tell stories a lot, and um, one of the things that I, I want to do in the podcast every now and then is just share some of my favorite stories or stories that for me have resonated or have encouraged people or challenged people or kicked me in the butt a little bit. So today I want to share a story that's come up recently a couple times and I kind of forget about it sometimes, which is crazy. And then when it comes up, I get so grateful and I'm just so thankful that this is part of the story God has allowed to be part of my life. And so I wanted to share a little bit of that with you today. And that's the story of FCA. And if you're not familiar with FCA, FCA is a, a club on a high school campus. It's called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And uh, there's a chance your high school might have had one, maybe didn't. Um, but it's a national club. And it's a great group of people who just kind of gather every week and have a meeting. And usually there's sometimes worship or something or a skit. And then there's a communicator or there's students sharing a lot, which is awesome. It gives students a platform for leadership. And so I want to share you a little bit of the FCA story because FCA is <clears throat> embedded deeply in my heart, my life for a lot of reasons. So back in the early 90s, back in the day, uh, uh, at my local high school, and I grew up in what was a small town. I've said that several times, but it's true. It was a small town. Um, FCA had been around my community for a long time, and then it had moved away, partially because the sponsor left and then also because... Things started changing in my small town. It got a little uh, different. They started moving in different people into the board of education, into different roles who were not from around here. Um, them dang Yankees who uh, have a different view of church and, and religion and school. And so uh, FCA had kind of disappeared. And when I was, I think around a junior high school, maybe a senior, I don't remember specifically what year it was. Um, I was really involved with student venture and I had this incredible man who mentored me named Warren and uh, I will always be grateful for his influence in my life. And um, there's a guy at the school who worked at the school. He was called the school resource officer, which is a very fancy way of saying the school cop. His name was Tom Washburn. If you you around Alpharetta, you know Wash. He's a legend, incredible man. And Wash wanted to restart FCA and uh, gathered a couple students, and I was part of the group he gathered to kind of get going and get it moving. And that was a really fun time. We, we had a chance to try to launch something. And uh, so we started this, this project of trying to restart FCA at our high school, and we were initially told we couldn't do it for a variety of reasons. Not because the principal didn't want us to, but I think he got word from the county that wasn't allowed anymore. And... Um, 
as part of that story and, and when that was going on, the guy who was initially kind of the leader of FCA as a student had to step away due to some decisions, which happens sometimes or often. But anyway, um, that's a whole other conversation. But uh, uh, somehow I end up in as the quote unquote president of this thing, of this upstart thing that we couldn't have. And uh, Wash didn't like that. He didn't like the fact they told us we couldn't do it. And so he did this incredible thing. He gathered this group of lawyers uh, from this group called the Rutherford Institute. And I don't even know if they're still around. I could probably Google that. But uh, at the time, there were a bunch of Christian lawyers that if your First Amendment rights are violated, they take your case for free. And so he submitted what we were doing and the fact they told us we couldn't do it. And they took our case. And uh, I will always remember the night coming home to tell my parents because Wash couldn't put his name on it because he was a school employee and he liked living indoors. So my name was put on it as the president. I remember telling my parents, hey, um, we're suing the county. <laughs> they were really excited about that. Um, actually, I've been very blessed to have parents who've always encouraged me in my ministry and what God's called me to do. And they were very supportive and um, excited about us trying to, to make something happen. but. Um, long story longer, um, the Rutherford Institute, now this is going to, I'm going to date myself here. Some of you might have to go investigate what this means. Uh, they sent a fax to the Fulton County Board of Education. I lived in Fulton County, Georgia, and uh, stating that they had been retained on our behalf and intended to uh, file a legal motion on our behalf for us to be able to have a club on the campus. And um, very quickly, the Board of Education passed a rule that said, um, essentially that any club on campus is allowed to meet regardless of faith as long as they adhere to the policies that the school sets for clubs meaning you have a specified sponsor and a specified place and all those different things which essentially allowed us to start FCA and uh, that was a really cool thing because as we were going through that there were all these people behind the scenes trying to help us out there was an incredible lady at the front office who would kind of renegade make copies for us and all these different people kind of trying to help us word of mouth trying to get this thing going and so we were up and going and it started and it just was just really awesome thing and to, as a young man uh, to be trusted with leadership and to have a guy like wash who invested in me and trusted me and uh, got to dream and kind of get this thing kick started this is a really fun season for so many reasons and i just look back on that time with so much uh, hope and so much just thankfulness that we got to do that and pass it on to people who came behind us. So uh, go to college and uh, a couple years later I'm back home um, at a different college and uh, I'm starting to do student venture which was that ministry I was a part of in high school. Um, at my high school I'm working with students who went to the same high school I went to and I meet the guy who had taken over FCA watched him move to a new school. And uh, that man's become one of the best friends of my life. And he uh, got a George Dempsey. And Dempsey and I meet, and George just, uh, we, George and I are not wired the same way, and I'm always grateful for that. And um, he allowed me to be a part of what they were doing there and to speak into his leadership. And I actually got a, a lot of the guys who were his leaders were involved in our ministry, so I got to disciple a lot of the guys who were leaders. And um, he invited me to speak at their leadership retreat every year and just, we had this really cool partnership. We did a couple really great outreaches together. And that was just a really, uh, really, really rich time of ministry working together uh, to try to 
uh, be a light on the campus and let kids at the campus know about Jesus. And that was just a really, really incredible time. Well, fast forward years from there, uh, George moves on and I'm still doing campus ministry and doing some other things. And along the way, SCA starts popping up at all these other schools. And uh, over my 27 years of working in the, for the most part, the same community, I've been invited to, and there was a, a probably a decade where I spoke at SCA's all the time. And that is not as much as it used to be, and I'm totally okay with that. Um, but there was a season where almost every Friday morning I would be at an SCA somewhere communicating. And for a long time, I told the same story, which is of this ragtag group of people who just wanted to do something. And we had no idea what the effect of it would be. We had no idea that 10, 20 years later, there would be students gathering under the name SCA because we would make an effort to get it going. And none of those kids who go to SCA this week have any idea who those people are, and they don't need to. It's kind of like what I've mentioned before about small groups in my church. Uh, people don't need to know all that stuff. They just need to know it's there and it's a resource for them. But how cool. A guy took a bunch of knuckleheads and used it to impact generations and to create a space for generations of students to step up and lead and to have an opportunity to invest in their friends and to be led. That's such an amazing thing to me. And so as I think about SCA, I don't just think about a weekly meeting. I think about the impact that has been had for generations of students who had an opportunity to step up and lead for a season on their campus. How cool is that? Now I'll say this, one of the things I, I, I do a lot, uh, and again, I don't do SCAs as much as I used to anymore, but I did the same version of the same talk pretty much every time for a long time, which is this, I would tell them that story and I would say, hey, who knows how God wants to use your life, but he wants to use it. But here's the other thing, there's people coming behind you and you've been given the keys to the car for this season, but my observation has been often, Students just run it till it's out of gas, and then they just kind of leave. And then the next generation picks up the car, and they've got to figure out how to tune it up and get it moving again. And by the time they get it going, they're gone too. And the handoffs aren't always that great, and the transitions aren't always that great. And often it's just, it's just a different animal, and the thing doesn't always go as well as it's intended. And that's a challenge, and I get that. But what I love is... It's an opportunity for students to step up and lead and to have an influence in their campus. And if I was to sit back and just think about the last many years since we fought to try to make this thing happen, how God's used that, that's incredible. It really is. It's really humbling to consider that. And the reason I'm sharing that story with you is this, I, and, I, and it's an obvious statement to make, but I have to make it. What is that for you? What is that thing in your life God's calling you for, giving you a passion for? And you're thinking, nah, that can't happen. Maybe God has a washboard in your life who wants to step up and help encourage you and steer the way. Maybe you're that person for someone else. Maybe the things you do today, you will, you don't see the fruit of immediately. But maybe down the road, by God's grace, he might allow you to see that what you're doing today is not in vain. Because things done for God's kingdom are never in vain. When you choose to plant seeds for God's kingdom... You'll have to trust the master and his plan and his timing. We had no idea what was happening when we were planting those seeds back then. But generations later, and literally generations, it's amazing to think that there are students still being affected by that ministry. 
Now, again, I, I hope you don't hear me saying that that is not a yay me. I'm a complete knucklehead, and I had no idea what I was doing. And if you could flash back to the early 90s and gather us in a room, and if you would tell us, hey, 20 years from now, there's going to be essays at all the high schools and middle schools around here because you guys are going through all this stuff now, I would not have believed you because I didn't even know that we could have our own school, frankly. I don't know that my faith was that big, to be honest with you. We just knew what was in front of us, and we trusted God with it as much as we could at that, in that time of our lives. But yet, God used it. And God used the small faith of these knuckleheads in incredible ways, which inspires me to think, how much more could God use big faith? How much more could God use people who are dreaming for big things and praying for big things for God's kingdom? Sometimes my faith is so, so small. And my prayers are so, so, so minute. And God is so big. And he's telling a story that spans generations. And we get a chance to be a part of it. So I'm telling you the SCA story today, hopefully to encourage you and challenge you that whatever you're at in your story, whatever season you're in in your life, whether you're a student or a, a leader or whatever place you're in right now, there's a very good chance God's going to take your efforts and multiply it well beyond what you imagine right now. The question is, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to steward that? And are you going to trust him with it to do something way bigger than today? It's my hope. It's my prayer. And that's my back porch challenge for you today. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Look forward to seeing you in the next one.